is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. What's up, everybody? Jimmy Scroggins here, high atop the office tower in downtown West Palm Beach, Florida, also known as the third floor closet where we do our podcasts. And I'm here with Leslie Bennett, communications director at Family Church. And we are going to be talking today with a special guest. We're trying to put a neighborhood church in a neighborhood building with a neighborhood pastor who speaks the neighborhood language in as many neighborhoods as we can, but we are learning a lot. That's right. We sure are. So we we want to continue learning. So we've invited some people that we admire and like a lot to help join us on the podcast and learn some things from them. So who do we have with us today, Pastor Jimmy? So today we have Pastor Andy Bramer from One Community Church in Clarksville, Indiana. And Andy and I have been friends since the late 1990s. And we both attended the same seminary, and we have taught classes together, and we were youth pastors in the same region together. And Andy is just one of the most incredible, down-to-earth, willing-to-be-used-by-God men that I've ever met. And he's always made an impression on me. And so when we, Leslie, when we started saying, let's do a series of podcasts on the neighborhood church, I actually don't really know anybody who's done a better job just embedding themselves into the neighborhood where God's planted them than Andy has. And so he immediately jumped to mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that Andy's been willing to join us. So welcome, Andy. Glad you're with us today. Well, thanks for having. I can't wait, one, not only to hear about what God is doing there, but to share what God is doing here in Clarksville as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Andy, about your family and what you're doing there, how long you've been there. Okay. Well, uh, like Jimmy said, we both started boys college back in the late nineties. And actually I was managing a bike shop before I started at the school and uh, just really felt God calling me, but I kept trying to find other things to do instead of going into to youth ministry, but left my job at the bike shop and really without knowing what was going to happen and started a, a local youth ministry just down the street from where we live was there for a while. And then just really felt that we needed a change. So I was talking to a guy over at Denny's and he said, why don't we just start in your living room? So we started our church back in 2005. But my wife, we've been married 36 years now. I've got two kids, four grandkids. So to be able to see them and watch them grow has just been exciting. Obviously, our youngest son is our worship leader on Wednesdays. So he is a a big part of it. And his wife also leads worship there as well. But at this other church that we we left, and then when we started the new one, we were just meeting in our living room. And then we moved to uh, Clarksville Elementary School, one of the local schools. We were there for eight years. I was on the school board at the time. And I want to talk about that. Just I want you to. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I started hearing rumblings from the other people on the school board. They're like, how long are you going to continue to meet here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, we're paying, you know, like anyone else would. We're not getting any kind of special treatment. But an opportunity came. There was a church in the neighborhood or the area whose the pastor was dealing with some health issues of his daughter-in-law. And he was ready to transition out. And they were had fallen on to some hard times. So 
we had a common friend that got a conversation going and we were able to start sharing facilities with them with the hope of one day becoming one, one church. So that started back in 2013. And about six months later, after I found out they had named me co-pastor. Of the <laughs> church, you like, found oh, out. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> They're like, well, we had a meeting out in the parking lot and we named you co-pastor. I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? And he said, well, when I leave, the church will be yours. So about six months later, he resigned, retired, and uh, gave the church to us. I mean, you could see God that was working behind the scenes for sure, bringing it all together. Wendy, I think that's so tremendous. So let me make sure all our listeners understand. So so I used to be a student pastor and a teaching pastor at a church in Louisville called Highview Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And then I taught and I was the dean at Boyce College, which is also located at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, Southern Indiana, Clarksville, where Andy lives, is just across the Ohio River from Louisville. So it's kind of like one big metro area. And so we're kind of all in, you know, it's very common for people from Southern Indiana to be on the Kentucky side and people in Kentucky to be on the Indiana side. And so it's kind of like one one metro area. So Andy and I got to be friends through those relationships. And Andy, you had a strategy all the way back when you were a, a youth pastor, you're doing student ministry, and then you you kind of extended that strategy when you planted your church. And I know you're probably doing version 12.0 of the same thing right now. Talk to us about your strategy and why you feel it's important to do neighborhood-based and focused ministry. Well, for me, and even when I was at Boyce and talking to some of the other youth pastor majors or youth ministry majors, I wanted to know the people. And looking at the community, the size of the community and things like that, there are no really large churches in our area. And I wanted to know the people that I was ministering to, that I was getting to know. And one of the ways I started that was through campus ministry. And actually, I think you were my professor when I took that class. I remember. That was probably the worst class of your life. (laughs) No, I still remember the 25 bonus points that you gave me when I researched a statistic that you said you wanted to know where they got this statistic. I remember that too. And I still used your information today. Basically, Andy falsified. He falsified a widely quoted statistic that was quoted by preachers and in books and magazine articles, and Andy falsified it. Oh, there you go. I proved they falsified it. Yeah, yeah. So. That's what I mean. You, you, yeah. The Andy original, didn't falsify. He proved that it wasn't true. The original Snopes. Yes, he's the original <laughs> Snopes, and the statistic was completely made up out of thin air. There you go. But then it got quoted, and the more it gets quoted, the more it picks up steam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't use that for the ministry, but that was kind of a fun part of our time together. Yeah. But getting involved in the schools. So one of the first things I did was get involved with the FCA and campus life there. To, actually, at one time I was going to five different schools a week. That became too much. And then I kind of scaled back and just worked with Clarksville Middle School and Clarksville High School and have been going there every week since 1999. So seeing the students come through there, seeing the teachers and, you know, so that's kind of where it started to get to know the the parents and the students of the neighborhood in their schools and have kind of taken that as a springboard and carry that to the church even, even today. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but one of the things we talked about in that class was becoming part of the landscape 
of student life in your neighborhood. And I think you really picture that. And by landscape, I just mean that if you take a picture of your kids in the backyard over many years, you will notice the landscape is basically the same. You still got the same fence and the same trees. And it may look a little different and the same. But what Andy has done is embedded himself in the landscape of the Clarksville schools. And so I wonder how that feels. I mean, 1999 to 2022, that's that's a lot of weeks. It is. It is. It's a lot of little Debbie snack cakes, too. (laughs) (laughs) At one time, I figured up how many we actually had purchased over that time, but I've since forgotten. (laughs) But the cool thing about it, I am now seeing kids of our students that I met through the schools. Yeah. And so now their kids are coming up and they're like, oh, I remember, you know, when you were there before. So being able to kind of continue on, I'm already known. So it, it's an opportunity. I don't have to, what just gives me kind of an inroads into meeting that family and to meeting the kids of the family as well. Yeah. And so one of the things that you did is you even took it further. So a lot of youth ministers, youth pastors, youth people around the nation where they have the opportunity in their neighborhood to get into schools, they do that. But you actually went further than that because you decided you didn't just want to go to the schools. You wanted to shape what was happening in the schools. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about that as well. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it would be about 20 years ago. I'd have to go back and look because I was on the school board for 12 years. Hmm. So I served three full terms as far as being on the school. So being able to to be involved in as far as picking out the textbooks or hiring of the teachers or things that, that went on. Really had no idea what I was getting myself into, had never been to a school board meeting before, but somebody on the school board had actually approached me about wanting to be able, because they had seen me at events, they had seen me at the schools, they'd seen me around. So they approached me and I, I ran and won and run the next, ran the next two campaigns and then decided it was kind of a, a time to step away. Got to see both of my kids graduate, got to hand them their diplomas. So a pretty special time for me, for sure. Well, what I like about that, Leslie, is so Annie didn't just, not only is he part of the neighborhood, he had gained the confidence of the neighborhood to where when there was a political contest, they voted for him. That's right. That's pretty incredible. So how has that translated into your church life, your involvement in the community? How have you seen that impact what you're doing at your church? Well, I was just thinking of this the other day because one, God has blessed us with two other pastors. Now they both have full-time jobs where the church is my full-time job. So we're able to spread the work out. So I definitely couldn't do it without the other two pastors that are there serving with me, Brian Rector and Daniel Tatum. But for for me, as far as being a part of the schools and being able to carry that over into the church in a way, because I've lived in Clarksville my entire life. So I have people that I'm almost like, the in a way, a community pastor, mm. people that don't have a church home but they have seen me. They've seen me standing out, whether for FCA or different functions and things like that, and have approached me about doing a family member's funeral or just praying with them over, you know, a loss or something that they're going through. So it's it's enabled me to kind of take the church beyond just the four walls and to be able to, to meet people kind of where they are. Well, I like that what you're saying, because you're really describing incarnational ministry, aren't you? Yeah. When I was thinking about trying to go where they are, and that was one of the things with the youth ministry as far as trying to to go to sporting events, go to the plays, go to the band concerts, go to those things to know where they're they're at, to know what they're going through. 
and even being a bivocational pastor for part of the time that I've been at one community church, I think for me, it really helped to be able to be in the workplace and to deal with things and to deal with, with customers or deal with bosses or deal with those things as well. So, you know, we've kind of taken that into the church. And I was thinking about Bob Russell's book, When God Builds a Church, mm-hmm. when he talked about truth and he talked about teaching the truth and but he focused on applying the truth. And I think for me, that's one thing that we really strive to do is when we're preaching or when we're teaching to make sure the people that are there, that they not only see it maybe lived out in our life, but they can think about how they can apply it to their own lives. Well, let's talk for a minute from the Bible. And I don't know if you've thought a lot about this, but I wonder if you have any thoughts about, because what you're describing is, is you see yourself as a missionary to that entire community. I think you just described a pastor to the community and you've embedded yourself there. Do you think there's any kind of biblical encouragement or support for a ministry like that? Yeah. I mean, when I think of church, the first one I think of is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Just, I mean, I think about what it must have been like to have been a part of that church, to see the people gathering together, sharing their belongings and, but gathering together. You know, with COVID and and having to take a break from that, and some people still taking a break from that, I just see one of the importance of gathering together, not just over Zoom, although I'm glad that we can actually do this, Yeah. (laughs) but when it comes to church, but I think for me, one of the main verses, and I I wrote it down, 2 Thessalonians 2.8, when Paul talks about that he loved the people so much that he not only shared the gospel with them, but their lives as well. Yeah. And I think that's so important. That's what we've tried to kind of replicate or do there at our church. So your church, how many people would be at a at a really, you know, a good Sunday, not Easter Sunday, but a good Sunday at your church? How many people were we talking about? Before COVID, I would say. Uh, yeah, let's go before COVID. So All right. It's so like 100. So like this is a normal size church. A lot of people listening, Leslie, that's how many people attend their church. And so maybe like 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. I would have said, you know, that's good. But what people really want is a big church. But I kind of think our culture is changing on that. Do you you feel that? Yeah, we feel that. We've talked a lot about that. I don't know what your perspective is, Andy, but just this idea that people do seem to be moving from, you know, the big mega or the big shopping center and coming back to the local market or the local community. I don't know if you've experienced that where you are in Clarksville. Absolutely. You know, there are some people when you talk about small, thinking about what are some of the advantages and you can get to know the pastor. You can get to know the people that are there. On the flip side, they notice when you're missing. Mm. <laughs> some people like that. Yeah. But some people would rather just blend in and, and kind of be unknown or unnamed and just try to blend in with the background. So I think definitely for some and, you know, we all have you look at social media and how much stuff people put out on social media. And in a way that's either a reflection of their life and they want people to know what they're going through. And by being a smaller church, you know, you have that opportunity where, you know, it's, it's easier to get, get that time with the pastor, get that time with your Sunday school or your small group leader. So I think definitely the smaller for some people, obviously some people still like that big, you know, to blend in or just the more opportunities that you can get maybe from a larger church. But at the same time, the smaller ones, you know, can feel the need that they're looking for. One of the things that I love is when you are a church in the neighborhood, 
that you have the opportunity to contextualize the ministry that you're doing to the people that actually live in that neighborhood. I wonder if you can just talk about that for a second, your opportunity to do that. Well, one of the things that we do, we still do an Easter egg hunt. Yeah. But we do an Easter egg hunt and festival because the Easter egg hunt's over in about 30 seconds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so so we do a festival where we, in our gym, we have inflatables, we have food, we have games and things like that. So we're able to draw the people once the Easter egg hunt's over, they come in, we've got cornhole, we've got food and, and everything's free. We do that at Easter. We do that for the fall festival still do vacation Bible school with a big family night and and things like that. So trying to get in with them so that we're able to see them and they can see us. And so we know them, we know what they're, they're going through so that we're approachable and that they can hang out with the same person that's maybe preaching or, or leading, you know, at the church. That's so good. And Andy, when I think about someone like you, who's done ministry there for a long time, I'm curious as to how you, motivate yourself? Like, what's your why? How do you keep getting up and doing what you're doing every single week? Well, anybody that's been in ministry definitely goes through highs and lows. I mean, for me, I still walk through our our church with a smile on our face thinking just just last night, we started a a new believers class and had uh, nine people in there in this class that we're going to be back. Wow, that's awesome. Next month. Certainly when things happen, we were just laughing about this the other day that so you don't get too proud of what, you know, maybe that you think you're doing, God will knock you down <laughs> a step. But then also to see, I mean, because like in the class, we had some, anywhere from a sixth grader to a 42 year old woman in mm-hmm. all these different ages in between. So I still get motivated when I, just when people show up, mm-hmm. we have this couples class. And one of the ways we reach our community is we rent out our facility, the fellowship hall and the gym, and it is used a lot. Baby showers, birthday parties, you know, all different types of thing. And I try to be the one to meet the people there. And I'm able to kind of condense our story and, and tell them about, you know, we love showing off what God's blessed us with. And we love that you're using this this part of the church here, but we would love to get you in this other part in the, the sanctuary. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that you're using this part. I'd like to get you in this other part. That's good. Well, I think that's where that campus or the community pastor thing comes from is we get them in the door and we're able to, you know, because so many people have this outlook on church that they're all about money or they're, you know, all these different things. And, you know, we try to be very reasonable and providing the space and do all these things for them. So it really doesn't take much to motivate me to get excited about it. You know, right now I'm I'm just as excited as I was, maybe more so than even when I first started. Certainly there's been some tough times over the years, you know, with, with COVID and but even that we we stayed pretty strong because we had our for the majority of our people, they were pretty faithful through that. Wendy, we have hundreds or maybe I don't know, thousands of pastors are gonna to listen to us that have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that they're influencing. And I wonder if you could just speak to a pastor quickly that maybe they, they're in a church with a neighborhood opportunity, but they've gotten tired, they've gotten frustrated trying to build a mega church, and it just hasn't happened, and they're just bummed out and worn out. What could you encourage them to do as a first step towards recovering a vision for their own neighborhood? 
Well, I know for me, when you think about it, it just takes one person. You know, my old pastor said that, you know, as far as being able to reach somebody, a fifth grader is going to reach more fifth graders than I would. Or, <laughs> and, you know, so it certainly can get discouraged. And Satan loves to discourage you when things necessarily aren't going your, your way. But to, just to be patient. And, you know, we definitely get caught up in, in numbers or size or different things like that. But, you know, to realize that you mentioned Andy Stanley, you know, talking about not like an Andy Stanley. And when I got into ministry, I wanted to be like Charles Stanley. <laughs> and, then like, <laughs> and then I'm like, but I'm Andy Bramer. Yeah. And so I realized early on that I just had to be myself. And, you know, we just try to do the best with the people that God sends us, you know, whether it's 80, you know, 50, 100, whatever it may be. And, and certainly, you know, one, just to continue going through the day and, and looking at each day as a new opportunity. So I think as far as to encourage them to, you know, obviously to not give up, you know, when we look at Galatians about do not grow weary and, you know, and at the proper time of reaping this harvest. So I think just to continue moving, moving forward. Hey, Andy, I really appreciate you being on here with us. And if anyone wants to find out more about Andy, you can check him out. He's in Clarksville, Indiana at One Community Church. And I just don't know anybody, Leslie, that more exemplifies a humble and accessible and very wise model of doing ministry, of presenting ministry. And so, Andy, thank you for sharing with us today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening. And uh, we can keep learning together if you want. You can come and join us on March the 2nd, 2023, down here in sunny South Florida. It might be cold where you live, but it's going to be awesome down here. And we have a conference called Church for the Rest of Us. It's a one-day conference. There are no green rooms. You can meet people. You can talk. You can share ideas. And you can register today at churchfortherestofus.com. I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off for Leslie Bennett and Andy Bramer, Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.